Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. There's a lot to be said about the Steelers' decision to keep Matt Canada at offensive coordinator. But in continuing that conversation, there's a lot of there's some assertions that say, do they even care? Are they actually trying? We're going to talk about that because that was a point made by some out there. But our guy Joe Starkey at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote an impassioned column about that very issue recently. I want to talk to him about that and what he sees in Kenny Pickett versus a lot of these quarterbacks we're seeing in the NFL playoffs right now. All that right here on the North Shore Drive from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm, Post I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get in. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. Today, joined by Joy, Joe Starsky, one of our legendary column writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can also hear him at 93.7 The Fan. As always, when you can check out this show out on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily content here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The North Shore Drive podcast airs Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We're here at the Wednesday edition. Joe, how you doing? Good, Chris. I love this show, and I'm honored to be on. <laughs> well, we're honored to have you here for the first time since I've been able to take over. So, I Ron would never come on this show. <laughs> well, maybe we got to get that to change at some point. But Joe, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, to pick it uh, your, your your column that, that you wrote um, last last week, and that was just about you know addressing things about the Matt Canada decision because we actually had a, a show about that on the show with our, our friend Josh Roundtree from 93.7. And he would, he, you know, he came and he was saying, you know what, if this decision is from the Roonies saying that, you know, if they, if they're not, if they just don't want to spend more money or, or, you know, cost, lose the money that they already paid on Matt Canada's contract, then shame on them for doing that. And your point is, is, you know, you may disagree, people may disagree with Matt Canada, but at the same time, like, can you doubt the Steelers, efforts to put forward a winning franchise i agree with that sentiment and i think that you're onto something here that the steelers may see something that we all don't but it doesn't mean that they're not putting their best foot forward to be a winning team i mean unless i'm radically missing something here matt canada has one year left on his deal at about i don't know let's say a million it's not much more it couldn't be much more than that right so if logic holds, the people who believe that the contract, the fact that he signed for another year plays a role in this, I would ask them, you, do you honestly believe that if the Steelers had a doubt about Matt Canada, that they would let his contract status supersede that doubt? An NFL franchise that, that for whatever criticism we want to levy against them in recent years... Mm -hmm. absolutely and inarguably puts winning at the top of its priority list. If you don't believe that, if you believe this was at all about Matt Canada's contract, 
then you don't believe that the Steelers have winning as their top priority. I, I just refuse to believe that they would put a a piddling little is piddling a word, Chris? I don't know. A piddly little piddly, yeah, salary for Matt Canada above winning. If they thought this guy was not the guy, they would get rid of him in a second. They're paying players not to pay, uh, paying players not to play here, right? They had thirty million dollars in dead money. If they didn't think a coach could coach, they would get rid of him in a second. And I know there's a precedent for them keeping coaches, coordinators. But when it got really bad with Kevin Gilbride, for example, they fired him as their offensive coordinator. I just think right. that that is such an unbelievable insult to the Steelers, an undeserved one. And man, if it was true, and I was a Steeler fan, that they kept Matt Canada despite doubts to honor one year of his contract, I would never root for them again. I refuse to believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right on with you. By the way, I just Googled real quick. Piddling and piddly are both words, just like encrinkulate should be a word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But I like that. But, but more to your point, the Steelers, I, I think some of this stems from the conversation that always gets poked up at some point when the Steelers lose a game. Well, they have the cheapest coaching staff in the NFL, and it's clearly because they don't. Well, the Roonies are cheap, and they want to want to pay. You think the Roonies are cheap with how much money that they've spent on this on this organization? How much money that how much time and time and investment has been made to make the Steelers a one of the crown jewel organizations of the NFL? That's where I, I'm. I'm right with you. I, I think some of that is is, is crazy talk. I also think the, the 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 entire conversation of the least paid coaching staff and it's because they have the least amount of coaches. They don't have a billion you know uh, you know assistant coordinators helping them, a pass game coordinator, run game quarter on top of that. And maybe that's a flaw, maybe. But their philosophy has been: it is you do not want too many cooks in the kitchen. You want a solid message coming from a sta- a, a consistent source. And when you have certain a certain amount of coaching guy coaching staff guys. Those the message is coming from specific guys. There's no confusion of any message. That is not being cheap. That's just their method of how they think it's best to work. And maybe they're wrong. There's a billion different ways. We see the mm-hmm. the, the Eagles, Niners, uh, Chiefs, and Bengals are all completely different teams that are in the conference championship right right now. But they all are in are in really good cycles of where they are. It just the the, the there's not one way. There's not one philosophy to make yourself. A winning team exactly i mean i think that's well said there's a difference between criticizing their method and criticizing their will to win or or, or exactly. ripping them for being cheap listen we have a team in town that doesn't try to win a lot of the time <laughs> that does we that doesn't like <laughs> that doesn't spend money the, the the fact listen when brian flores became available and Mike Tomlin wanted him, seemed to me there was no hesitation. They brought him in and paid him. I think they should have a senior consultant on offense. I've been saying that for several weeks. I agree with you. Uh, but, but them not, if they don't bring one in, I would criticize them on the, on the basis of, of their methods, not on, oh, the Steelers don't want to pay a guy. Come on. No. And Doug, by the way, Doug Whaley was on our station recently Mm -hmm. uh, who has knowledge of the inner workings. And he, he, he said they pay a competitive wage for coordinators. He said, he said, if, if there's criticism on paying coaches, it might be 
might be with other coaches on staff, but I don't really have a problem with, for instance, the offensive line coach or when they've, when they've not been satisfied with their offensive line coaches, they seem to move on pretty quickly. But maybe if there's a criticism, it's with coaches below the coordinators. I don't know, man. But when it comes to coordinators and bringing in people like Brian Flores is a great example. I just, I refuse to believe that they're trying to do this on the cheap. I think, I think if anything, they prioritize winning sometimes to a fault like this year. Yeah. I wish if I were a Steeler fan, I wish you could have gotten the, the two Kenny Pickett comeback games and no other wins. Yeah. I wish they were like I wish they were sitting here at three and fourteen if I were a Steeler fan. Because here's the thing, Chris. Not only did they ruin their draft position, I think they may have also given themselves a false sense of competence when it comes to Matt Canada and maybe some other things that happened. That's very that's very possible. And hey, if they if they finish three and fourteen or, or whatever their record would be if they just tanked for the for most of the season, then they're in the conversation for guys like Jalen Carter and Will Anderson and yeah. have your pick of the litter of any any one of those superstar defensive players that early on in the season people were like, oh, maybe we could get one of those guys in Pittsburgh. And all that's gone now. You're, you're the seventeenth pick. Their only hope is if they wanted to trade the seventeenth and the thirty second pick that they got from the Bears to move up a lot of spots. Maybe. But and maybe that's a move. But I I think that they're in a really good spot right now where you could get three top fifty guys this year, and if you hit on them, at least two of them that are that are that are early early starters, you're getting a lot of that young replenishing youth into into your roster right now. That maybe you see something with there. And and and, and finishing on Matt Cannon before we move on to Kenny because I want to get your thoughts on him in a minute. But. I think it's it's important. You know, there's a lot of criticisms you can lay about Matt Cannon, that's for sure. But I think the Steelers are very knowledgeable of like, look, it wasn't really his offense last year with Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, you know, Kevin Dotson, Deontay Johnson, they all acknowledged it. Like, look, that was Ben was calling plays. Like that was just it, win or lose, good or bad. That was Ben's office. This was really Canada's first year. He had a a journeyman vet. In Mitch Trubisky, he had a makeshift offensive line that started to form in the second half of the season and injured Najee Harris for the first half. And and a rookie quarterback went and they got rid of when they kind of pushed Mitch Trubisky to the back. And those aren't excuses for some of the things that didn't work, but the reality is that that was not going to be an offense that Andy Reid was going to just come in and just be like, oh yeah, these guys are our top ten unit this year. I think it's fair to say, hey, if they think that they see something developing there, there that they should that they should stick with him for another year and 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 move on if it doesn't work after that but i also agree with you that you know what if if i'm sitting here and i do think that it that is that, that there's nothing to be built there that matt canada just is never going to be it you should move on from it it just it's clear they don't think that way we'll find out in a year's time if they're right i'll get joe's thoughts on kenny versus a lot of the quarterbacks we're seeing right now in the nfl and whether or not kenny pickett can get to that status or if the steelers need him to be as good as some of those quarterbacks we'll talk about that in a minute but first i gotta talk to you guys about valley pool and spa wouldn't it be nice as now the snow is kind of coming back in Pittsburgh if you had a place in your house to have a nice sauna or a spa just to relax in? Well, Valley Pool and Spa is here to make that a reality. You can relax and soak in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa, but right, right before the snow flies again. And you can refresh and rejuvenate in one of their Finleo saunas that is sure to melt your stress away faster than the frosty in Aruba. Save big now on all in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas at valleypoolspa.com. 
llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Joe Starkey. Uh, we're here talking all things Pittsburgh Steelers to start the show. We'll have Andrew Destin talking uh, Penguins after the show, after their riveting overtime win. Joe and I are actually watching that here together. Yeah. Uh, just kind of going over. That was kind of crazy. Hey, you know what? We'll, we'll break the quorum a little bit. What was your thoughts on how the Penguins pulled that out, Joe? Man, you're going to have all these complaints, and it was fire wagon hockey. It's the middle of January. It stinks outside. It's dark at 3 o'clock. Give me that game. I mean, it's that's fun. That's entertainment. I don't give a damn about defense. Let's score goals. I loved it. Hey, I I thought it was crazy too because it was it was funny like I'm because we set we set our time to record like at a certain time and everything and then the game was close and I'm like well I should I should send the invite to Joe and he's like it's six six man and I'm like I'm like hey you're all right so I was more than happy to kind of keep tracking the game uh, but uh, but that was that was kind of crazy we'll talk with Andrew Destin more about that but I want to get back to some football stuff here with Joe Joe. Kenny Pickett finished with those two riveting comebacks at the end of the season, and there were signs all throughout the year that when he was starting to put it together, when he was starting to see the field, he was making really good decisions and some really accurate throws and limiting the interceptions and the big mistakes that we saw early in the part of the season. So we saw real growth from him. But is Kenny Pickett a guy who could develop into the kind of quarterback with some of the teams that we're seeing in the playoffs right now? Because on one, it's funny, in the, in the conferences, I think there's a clear divide. You have Joe Burrow, who right now people are comparing to Tom Brady with how he's playing for the Bengals right now in, in just his third year in the NFL. You have Patrick Mahomes, who is the he's the second coming. He is the everyone's you know you know crowned him as the number one quarterback in the NFL. On the NFC side, you have Jalen Hurts, who many would push for the MVP conversation, but I think a lot of people would agree, like, hey, like he's playing very well this year, but he doesn't do what. What Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and those guys kind of—they do different things. And what he does is great, but it's more to the scheme of how the Eagles want to play their game. And then, of course, you have Brock Purdy, who is literally Mister Irrelevant in his rookie season, just out there wheeling and dealing with a Niners offense that runs the football, blocks really well, and gives them some really good targets to to to, to throw to in Kittle and uh, and Debo Samuel. Purdy aside. Do you see Kenny Pickett as a guy that can bang with those guys, or is he kind of more of like, hey, we got the kind of the good manager quarterback who will play above average, kind of like Derek Carrish, Andy Dalton-ish, and that the Steelers will have to rely on great players around him to push them forward? Well, I think Mahomes, Burrow are in a class by themselves. I think they're the top two guys. I think Jalen Hurts is really good and – I would love to see Pickett be able to – I think so much of, of quarterback play that isn't talked about enough is can you process the game? Can you run the offense that you're being asked to run and make quality decisions throughout the game? Can you identify things at the line of scrimmage? Jalen Hurts has just taken over that offense. Yes, and there were games this season where he just ran it perfectly. All the time. 
And if Kenny Pickett, let's hope they have the kind of offense with a coordinator who gives him the right kind of plan uh, each week. Man, if he can do what Jalen Hurts does every week and just master an offense and torture people like that, I'd be real happy with that. I don't know that you're going to get the pure, you know, um, talent and and people talking about you as an all-time player like they already are with Burrow and Mahomes. I'd take a Jalen Hurts in a second. I, I, I'm very with you here, and especially on the reading the field part. I love Jalen Hurts especially when he got benched for Tua. He didn't leave Alabama right away. He stuck around. Then when Tua got hurt the next year, he comes in, wins them the SEC championship, keeps their national championship hopes alive that year. And then the next year he goes to Oklahoma, makes them a national contender and and gets them to the playoffs. And then you see what he's doing at the Eagles. I saw a very similar fight from Kenny Pickett in in my time covering Pitt. I saw him read the field. He did, he never had the strongest arm. He was never the fastest. He, he he didn't have every tool in the box, but he but he did put together maybe the best package that you saw in his final year in college football. And that's why mm-hmm. he was the first quarterback off the board that year. Uh, and, and I think you're seeing that kind of start to be put together for the Steelers. Our own Brian Batko wrote a piece about how, you know, Kenny Pickett has his nook in the locker room with Harry. He st- studies film relentlessly. They get out of practice. Everyone else is stretching and kind of just, you know, changing out of their clothes, hitting the shower. He's in his locker, just going over film of what he did, what his opponent did and how he needs to get better. If the Steelers can have that guy, because as great as Ben was, Ben was never the cerebral quarterback who knew everything, who, who was who knew everything and knew where everyone would be at all times and could pick you apart consistently. He had his really hot days, and if he saw what you were doing, he would sling it, and you it was tough to stop him when he did that. But if the Steelers get a guy who consistently wins with that cerebral level of play, I think it puts Kenny Pickett in the conversation of you know he may not have some of the prettiest deep balls in the NFL like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and those, and those guys. But if he's able to dissect you the way that Jalen Hurts does, does does with the Eagles, if he's able to kind of move the ball and take advantage of, of your weaknesses and defenses because he studies you the way he did, especially in his last year at Pitt, it makes the Steelers a problem. And then with all the playmakers that they have, if they continue to mature, Najee Harris, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Frymuth, Jalen Warren, those guys – I think it makes their offense enough of a problem that if the defense can get back to, they were top 10 this year, if they can get back to top five, the Steelers then are a force to be reckoned with in in the NFL. The potential is there. There's no doubt. I mean, there were a couple of things that bothered me and I don't know if they were more picket related or Canada related. The one thing that just jumps off the page to me is Canada came here or was elevated into this position mm-hmm. with the idea that he was a big play action guy. That was a big thing he did at Pitt. Mm-hmm. And they started to run the ball over the final 10 games. And yep. yet their play action usage was at the bottom of the league. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? If you're running the ball, you're supposed to be throwing play action. I think Pickett somewhere had a comment or maybe it was somebody commenting on him that he's not all that comfortable, especially behind center, mm-hmm. running play action. So was it him or Canada? But if they're not going to be able to do that, then they're going to have problems. I mean, you talk about what the Eagles do. They're running, yeah, you know, they're running um, spread option stuff with him. 
They're doing play action all over the place. They can do anything. The Eagles and Hurts can beat you any which way you want, but but make no mistake, play action in whatever form is a, is a huge part of their offense. It has to be here. I don't understand why it wasn't more a part of it. Do you? Late in the year? So the the explanation that you were that you were alluding to was that Kenny Pickett was doing so much with his eyes to see the field that calling play action, especially from coming under center, meant that he would have to turn his back to the defense and then turn back around and then have to make quick decisions. And that there was a a sense of you didn't want to put him in that spot because he was using his eyes so much to kind of decipher what was going on. And he wasn't at the point where he could trust things to just play out and then quickly assess once he turns around what is going on behind him after he finishes the, the play fake. I believe that's what's going on, but I'm right with you. If that was the reason this year, okay, rookie quarterback, that's what he's getting used to. But Kenny Pickett said, I'm working, you know, I'm already working with Matt Canada to, you know, on, on trying to develop for next year. That has to be in the top three has things to. that they're working on, because I agree with you entirely. If the Steelers offensive line, which I think will get reinforcements in this offseason, gets continues to get better. If Najee Harris and Jalen Warner continue to be a one-two punch that makes you a serious rushing threat, you have to capitalize on it with play action. And if you do, it makes it so that you don't have to be, you know, the Bengals with four different wide receivers and a tight end that, that that threaten you at all times. You don't have to be the Bills who just air it out to Stephon Diggs and, and, uh, and Gabe Davis all the time or Patrick Mahomes throwing it to Travis Kelsey. You can be a, an offense that is balanced like the Eagles, like the Niners too. Brock Purdy isn't out there running, you know, you know, deciphering defenses left and right. He's getting a lot of play action looks because teams are looking for Christian McCaffrey. If the Steelers can get to that point, like you're saying, like I'm saying, I think that Kenny Pickett's got something. So that might be the biggest key for both him and Canada right now is make sure play action is a huge staple of this offense in 2023. Yeah, and it's a little bit disturbing that if they can do it in San Fran with Mr. Irrelevant, who also got no no run with the ones, he was just tossed in there the same way Pickett was. Yep. Then why not here? So that part that part's, you know, a little bit disturbing, and I'll be curious to see how it plays out. And then, you know, it's just going to be more time and games that we get to observe Pickett. Is he that guy? I'm, I'm encouraged. It looks like, it looks like to me that this was the best move Mike Tomlin's made in a long, long, long time. Because if you get the quarterback right, then you can afford to get some other things wrong. You know, if you get that right. Man, that's, uh, you know, people were fearful that we'd see another quarter century without the right guy like we did between Bradshaw and Ben. And if they yeah. if they if they made the right move immediately. Wow. That'd be crazy. That would be that'd be crazy. And a, and a huge statement for the franchise if they were able to. We'll continue to monitor that here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, thank you, Joe, for joining us. Uh, Thank you here on the on the North Shore Drive podcast. Don't go away, though, fans, because we got Andrew Destin coming up. He's going to give us a, a recap and some Penguins talk after that crazy six, five over oh, seven, six. Excuse me. That's how crazy that got, Joe. I was just sitting there <laughs> thinking, oh, OK, now it's over. No, it's not. It's going to overtime. Great. And then they win seven, six. We're going to go over that game over the Panthers and what the what the Penguins proved that. But first, we got to talk to you guys about Yinz's in the Berg. Thanks, Chris. Thank, thank you, Joe. With the Steelers campaign, maybe, you know, being being all said and done, that's totally fine. But the Penguins, you see them heating up right now. 
and you see that the, their, their game right now, they're, they're getting, they're trying to make a playoff push. What better way to support them by getting some Penguins gear from Yinzenberg, the number one place to get all Pittsburgh sports apparel and accessories. You can also get Steelers gear, Pirates gear, Pitt gear, anything Pittsburgh sports that you can think of. You can get right there at Yins in the Berg. And where's Yins in the Berg? They got two stores in the strip district that you can visit at any point in time. And then on top of that, you can go on uh, on their website, yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com. Every week, new merchandise hitting their website. Go So go check out Yins in the Berg at yinzerspgh.com or their stores in the strip district. Trust me, you won't regret it when you check out all the amazing Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter here as your host as always. But we switched from Joe Starkey to our man Andrew Destin, who was on site for the Penguins' ridiculous seven to six overtime win over the Florida Panthers. It was looking gloom for a little bit there. There was a lot of there was a lot of worry about oh man because this is one of the teams that's chasing them in the playoffs as, as the current eighth seed. But then you see Latang just going off. For two goals and two assists on that, including the game winner in overtime. Andrew, though, this has been an incredible comeback for Latang for all the things that have happened to this man, health-wise, personal life-wise, tragic-wise. And he comes back, his first game back, and he does this. Can you walk our listeners through everything that Chris Latang went through to get back to this moment? Yeah, it, right. I mean, it's hard to say that any moment in January is a storybook ending, but it, it sure felt like that after the game last night. And the reason is because you said it there, Chris. I mean, this has been arguably one of the toughest months of Crystal Tang's career uh, life, not to speak for him, but you go back to the end of November, beginning of December, um, misses two weeks after suffering the second stroke of his career. Already had one close to a decade ago, goes into cardiac arrest, uh, you know, misses significant time there and then he comes back and that's an emotional moment when he returned to the team in mid-December but sure enough two weeks later then he suffers a lower body injury gets nicked up and it felt like right after that then uh, his father passes away in Montreal so Latang misses significant time with the second stroke of his career then has the injury father passes away leaves the team for a brief period of time and comes back a few days ago, um, practices with the team for a little bit, and makes the return, and what a return it was. Because Latang just, it's such a different element when he's on the ice for the team. Um, such an offensive-minded uh, defenseman from that blue line, somebody who really pushes the tempo. And with that comes the downfalls, right, where you can open up some offensive opportunities for the other side. But sure made for an entertaining hockey game, that's for sure. You don't see too many contests where there's 13 goals. But can't say enough about how impressive of a return that was for Latang. Two goals. The first one, you know, kudos to Brian Dumoulin on a great pass, finding Latang, who then just kind of had to saucer it toward the net. Uh, but then the second one there, I mean, point blank, winds up for it and just beats his man in net. It's a beautiful thing to see. And it was a fantastic hockey night and a great way for Latang to cap it off, given everything he's gone through. Certainly looked like that from just watching on television, just the crowd reacting and, and the craziness of that game. Um, I, I, I what, what was the vibe in the locker room like afterwards? Like, you know, the, 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 you get that awesome moment, and then uh, as close as this core has been for so long, like I can't imagine the emotion that they had for their friend and teammate with Latang when he comes back into the locker room and they're kind of just reveling in that moment. 
Yeah, it was twofold. One was relief, just because, I mean, two nights earlier, the team thought it deserved two points in New Jersey, and then, you know, you could say got robbed of it in the sense that they went to overtime, and overtime has been such a backbreaker for the Penguins this year. So relief is the first word that comes to mind for me. Uh, But the other was just such a mood of, you know, this is so much bigger than hockey. And I think Crosby put it best afterward. A couple of us went to go talk to him, and he's like, 58's over there. <laughs> and he's, he's, pointing, <laughs> he's pointing to the tag, and we're all like, well, you know, the scrum was pretty big. We couldn't get in for that one. But, uh, you know, it was just, I think everybody was so glad that Chris had the moment that he did, uh, the moments that he did, really, and to have him back on the ice, back with the team. Um, you know, he really is. I mean, where's VA? He's one of the team leaders of this group. Um, somebody who uh, th- this team it's not the same when he's not there. Um, and if they're going to make a run to the playoffs, if they're going to make a postseason push, they need, need him firing on all cylinders. But I think that's not what last night was about. I think last night was about that, you know, this is bigger than hockey. And, you know, this team with the sacrifices they made, I think it was after the Arizona Coyotes game um, when they were playing out in Phoenix, the team, instead of flying right back home when they had to play the Vancouver Canucks two days later, uh, they flew to Montreal to be there for, uh, Latang's father's funeral. So the team has been there with him. Mike Sullivan talked about that. that this has been affecting everybody. Uh, this has been all parties involved. So, um, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but truly, this has been bigger than hockey. And I think everybody in the locker room kind of kind of recognized that yesterday and was relieved to get a win, not only for the sake of getting two points in overtime, but from a standpoint of getting it for Latang. Absolutely. Now, let's take a step back from. The, the night overall, because I, I think this was also a good, a, a great way for the Penguins to kind of fight back in a situation. They had been down. They, you know, they recently lost Ottawa in a one-on-one um, that they had with them. Um, and then, you know, they're coming into this game. It was, this was, this wasn't a must win, but in my eyes, I was like, man, like you really want to set a better tone going into the, the all-star break that's coming up. And a win like this, I think, is really helpful, especially against the Panthers team that's chasing you uh, for that last playoff spot right now. And again, playoffs are still months away, but, you know, I, I think this team wants to head into that that sort of break feeling a lot better. And that way, when they're resting, they're coming back, they're going to be charged up and, and ready to go for a good push. But did you see anything sustainable from this group in the, in this win? Like, you know, getting seven goals isn't always going to happen, but... Did you? Was there anything when you were when you were watching the game? Like, man, like this is you know with Latang back in there. There's an identity that this that this team can embrace that can beat some of the better teams in hockey. Uh, yeah, two words: power play. Uh, it came <laughs> back, it came back alive, and that's no disrespect to Ty Smith, but when he was in there filling in for Latang as the quarterback of that top power play unit, it just wasn't the same, and the results showed that. Matt Vensel wrote about that a couple of days ago, and. Ty Smith had some good moments while he was in the starting lineup. Now a healthy scratch the last few games. But come on, Chris Letang's been running this power play unit for a decade plus, and he was back in there. They go three for five. Uh, you know, that's no coincidence when he's out there. The comfort level that he has with Gino, with Crosby, um, you know, it's unparalleled. These guys have been doing it for forever. So, yeah, they're aging. Yeah, they're getting up there in years. But that presence let's hang back on the blue line you know not to beat a dead horse and keep talking about him but the power play unit uh is has been one of the strengths of the penguins and wasn't the last month or so and that's no coincidence Latang wasn't out there with his presence on that power play unit again combining that with crosby starting to come to light with goals in the last two games malkin has had a tremendous month trying to help the team out as they push through this tough period 
Um, you know, that's something that legitimately is a sign of, hey, this is a unit that really could help the team come playoff time. And you mentioned it, it's early still, it's January, but having that team firing on all cylinders from the uh, from the power play, uh, that's huge because that was a unit that really, uh, during that excellent streak at the end of November and beginning of December, uh, I think it was a seven, eight game winning streak. That point, um, special teams was tremendous. The penalty kill was great. And now you get some guys like a Ryan Paling returning to the lineup who are key on that front. So special teams and specifically the power play uh, looked much improved over the last two games. And that's key for this Penguins team because they need them to be doing well in addition to the five-on-five play. And I think that's something that's sustainable. And that's something to truly feel optimistic about. I hear you on that. I absolutely do uh, hear hear you on that. I think it's going to be... Uh, I think that when you see the Penguins, when, when I saw the Penguins, and I, I didn't even think about it, the specific power play being back, but because it, it was weird because I felt like like this is how it's supposed to be when they're playing on special teams. And right. yeah, I guess I guess in, in my sense, I'm like, you know, I'm forgetting a lot of the times this year where it's it's struggling. It has been the statistics have have shown that all all year long. But if they can get back to the level where the power play is a factor for them, maybe that's a boost in some of those games that they were losing. Uh, over the over the past stretch of a uh, month and a half or so where they've kind of fallen down to this part if they can do that i think it's going to be interesting they got the capitals what thursday night i believe yep in so DC. That, that's gonna that's gonna be a big game for them to kind of come in, come in there against their rivals and see and see if you can hold up against them we'll see how that happens i believe uh our, our friend matt benson will be on site for that one that's going to be an exciting one we'll talk with him for the friday episode of the north shore podcast recapping what happened there as the penguins continue their jaunt back and we'll see what happens but Andrew, thank you so much for be- joining us here and giving us your recap here. We appreciate all the great work you do for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Check out Andrew's work in at post-gazette.com where you can check out all the work from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and all the coverage that we have on the Penguins uh, this, this season. Thanks again to Andrew, and thank you for checking us out here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. I've been your host, Chris Carter. We had Joe Starkey and Andrew Destin on today. We'll be back Friday with more on all things Pittsburgh sports right here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.